Hey everybody, just a reminder before we get into things that we've been doing the Lower Decks third season on Patreon at patreon.com slash thepenskyfile. If you're interested in our coverage of Lower Decks, that's where you have to go. We might, by the time this comes out, have just finished season three of that stuff. If there's only 10 episodes in the season, I think there is. But patreon.com slash thepenskyfile if you want to listen to all of our thoughts about the animated Star Trek. That is Star Trek Lower Decks. Anyway, let's get into this one. Clay, how are you? I'm good. I'm uh, excited to talk about the, I've got to say, probably the best looking robot I've ever seen in visual fiction. <laughs> what, do you, what do you think is his wool sweater was what really pulled him together yeah, as a robot? I, I don't know if it was the wool sweater or how the pieces, the front and the back of his mask didn't fit right. <laughs> so there was a giant gap between the two sections. We talked about it at the end of um, last week uh, in the previous episode. We talked about we saw his little robot face in the thumbnail on Voodoo, and we're like, well, this could go one of two ways. And uh, do you think, without spoiling anything, did it go one of two ways for you? Um, I would say it it went, uh, based on the way the robot looks, it went in an unsurprising direction. This is a weird way for me to get around to this, but basically it went deep into Doctor Who territory. Let's put it that way. So this one is called Prototype. It is the 13th, lucky number 13 episode of the second season of Star Trek Voyager. It came out on January 15th, 1996, written by Nicholas Correa, directed by Jonathan Tutakes Frakes in Universe State, not specifically known, but it's 2372. In this one called Prototype, a sentient robot enlists Torres' help to make it possible for it to construct new members of its race. It wants Bolana to build a prototype, as it tells her numerous times through the course of the episode. So I think the the appropriate place to start is um, great cold open. Bar, barring anything else, I really like the cold open here where you're seeing through the robot's eyes as it's floating yes. in space and then it gets picked up by a Voyager and then people are operating on it and then you get a uh, a great pan sort of like zoom into the camera uh, in the back or the like the screen in the background of the sick bay as they're working on it and you see that it's kind of a robot looking little guy. Um, yeah, I, good I, was hoping, I was hoping we would get um, – Torres drunkenly kissing it on the face at New Year's <laughs> or Miguel Ferrer <laughs> leaning over and saying, you're a bad motherfucker. <laughs> oh, yeah, they cut the scene where uh, Harry Kim walks on, Bulana Torres is riding this thing's face, <laughs> which might have been appropriate. I um, So there's the reviews on this one online are pretty positive. Um, patrons have a lot of positive things to say about it, too. I think this is a sneaky, terrible episode. <laughs> I think it's. I think it's. I think it's extremely. You're just. You're just trying to get back at people because nobody liked the last one. Well, I, yeah, that's true. Now I'm, I'm blanking. <laughs> when I was saying last week, I was trying to remember the title of the episode, and I can't remember it anymore. Um, the hell was it? We did resistance, right? Yeah. Yes, yeah. resistance. Um, yeah, I think this one's. I think this. This is a really sneaky, very bad episode. Um, I think that it has like this sort of corny charm that makes it watchable in a way that a lot of very bad Star Trek episodes are not watchable. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I don't think anything works in this. It, this feels like it, this feels like a bunch of half-ass stuff thrown together and 
like down to just design of the aliens, what the aliens like sort of thing is down to what Belana and this robot's relationship is supposed to be down to the strangest interpretation of the prime directive that I think we've seen in a long time. Um, I just think it's a bunch of stuff that's really, it feels really uh, lame, not thought out and sort of like it's all been done better in other episodes in, in a kind of surprising way. And I guess that the, the thing that I'll throw to you with that the writer who came in and pitched this episode wrote it and the entire production was extremely concerned that if they didn't get the, the robot to look right, they thought it would screw up the episode. I would say that that is true. The robot does not look good, but it's the least of the problems in the episode, I think. So it's kind of a weird production uh, consideration that I, I think that they ignored bigger problems at the expense of uh, shiny McFace man. So this is what it looked like when they all thought they got the robot right? No, I, I think that they were <laughs> unsure whether they did it. I, I don't yeah. even know if this is what they, what they you know, I don't know if this is the fifth version that got passed or whatever. Right. Um, yeah. Well, I don't know if they got the robot right, uh, but <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I enjoyed it from a uh, ideas standpoint once they kind of got into what was going on at the end. However... It kind of, um, you know, I, I, I mentioned it goes into Doctor Who territory, and I think for a couple of reasons, like old Doctor Who territory, <clears throat> not just the way that the, the robot looks, but also the fact that it this kind of works better. I, w- I think this would almost work better as a radio play than as a TV show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because, and the, the old Doctor Whos have that kind of quality to them where, like, you can kind of shut your eyes and listen to them they've actually released a lot of them on on as recordings right um but one of the reasons i say that is because they they give you this interesting idea that ultimately i feel like they kind of undercut when they really explain it um that these uh these two Basically, like the, the the in this war that was going on, the warriors have died, but the weapons still fight each other. Yeah, which is which is a pretty interesting idea, until they take it to Terminator Town and explain that the humans tried to make peace and tried to stop the robots from from killing. Yeah, but then the robots realized that that was not the most efficient use of their time. Whatever the explanation is, <clears throat> that makes it a lot more stock, um, and kind of. Like, Think, like you said, I've, I've seen it done better. In, it's in so other predictable. Places. Yeah, it's so I, predictable. I, I I really liked the idea that like this, these were just leftover weapons from a war that caused two races to go extinct, and the and the weapons were still fighting. Yeah, that's kind of an interesting idea. <clears throat> um, but yeah, when they get into this stuff, it's just it's just a a janky robot t- saying talking like basically reading out of a book for five minutes at the end of the episode yeah and it's kind of interesting stuff but the way that they chose to do it was was very um not very uh cinematic let's put it that way yeah i mean i um lest you forget like i even the robot idea here i think has been done better in star trek like the tng arsenal freedom episode that we covered on patreon a little bit ago which is the first season of tng which is no great shakes but i like the episode enough it's where they 
go down to the planet and the arms dealer automated arms system is still active. So they're like running around as this, you know, this weapon that wiped out the population still is armed and dangerous. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah. And like, that's not a very good episode, but at least it's kind of fun in some ways. Um, I just didn't, I didn't think this one is fun at all. And I think that's, once you get past the cold open and you get to the, uh, the robot thing, like, it starts off on a weird foot because I have no idea why Bolana Torres feels the need to save this thing so desperately from the get-go. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mm-hmm. feel like it fits her character. Even Harry Kim is like, listen, we've been working on this for 45 minutes. I'm about fucked. I'm done with this thing. Like, I don't want to work on it. And she's, she's slaving away, and she wants to make the, the plasma hearts that will power this thing in the Iron Man suits, and it will come alive, and then it comes alive. Then they have a strange conversation with Janeway about the prime directive, right? And there's this odd justification that Janeway comes up with why they can't help anybody. And, you know, robots don't deserve help, even though, as they mentioned later in the episode, data is still prominently in their mind about this stuff. Right. And and then, so after Janeway and her have a conversation about the prime directive, that doesn't make any sense to me. At that point, the robot is like up and walking around and nobody is Tuvok has a throwaway line at the beginning about like maybe I should point a gun at this thing every once in a while. <laughs> and they go, No, I'm sure it's fine. It's just a friendly robot. And then of course the robot abducts Balana and goes back. And it's like everything about this to this point that's brought me to where the script needed to get me makes no sense. And it's like completely inconsistent with how the characters should be acting. And I found it really distracting. I th- I actually kind of enjoyed the the prime directive discussion because it's such a whacked out way to interpret the prime directive. Yeah, where it's like it's like four different backflips. It's like it's like four different things that they've done before singularly, all used in one place. Where it's uh, <clears throat> like the this idea that would the the prime directive does not allow for aiding a inanimate creature without the capability of reproduction to reproduce <laughs> right because i mean it, like honestly it's it's not that crazy when you when she explains it cuz it's like you know you have no idea what what's going to happen if you do this well she like, turns it, it, but she turns out to be right but they don't take any precaution right. that defends against that being the possible outcome of it you know like she she yes. Bolana turns out to be or Janeway turns out to be right that programming this thing to reproduce is actually creating more weapons of destruction. That would be a bad thing. But Janeway herself does not say we should lock this thing down because we don't know if it's a threat at the very start. You know? Well, yeah, I think she's, she's working more on like the, uh, uh, the reason why you can't bring certain animals over country lines kind of thing where it's like, if you introduce, you know, it's the joke from the Simpsons when they go to Australia and Bart brings a frog and then the frogs just reproduce and take over all of Australia. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's less of a I, I think it's less of a, a weapon thing and more of just like a, who knows how these things are how who knows how the reproduction of these things is going to uh, affect the ecosystem or, or the surrounding planets or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's like it, it's an interesting, interesting idea, but, but it is sort of like a. I don't know. It is. It's really weird if if you kind of take a step back and think of this as Balana arguing with Janeway over whether or not she has the right to create life. 
it's just it's it's a really kind of weird this whole thing has a weird sort of like unself-aware frankenstein thing built into it yeah yeah where it's like balana gives birth to something yeah like ultimately she i guess she does get the full frankenstein in that uh she realizes what she's done is a mistake um they have that yeah, incredibly it, awkward final scene where it's like overtly trying to compare what she went through to having a child and then having to kill it and yeah it doesn't work for me because i mean it ties back to i don't i just don't find this to be a balana story at this point for that character well like i i don't i i disagree that uh um it's weird for her to be so focused on this thing cuz i mean you know it's she's a she's an engineer she's into the stuff it's mm-hmm. you find a you find a robot floating in space that is kind of working mm-hmm. you know i i I th- I think she would be it would something that she'd be interested in to the point where she wants to bring it you know fix it and if it is a sentient thing save its life, um, she ends up I I like the half Klingon character, you know like well, well I don't know I mean you know science is science to her like I, I, mm. how much of this is how much of this is uh, wanting to save somebody's life and how much of it is just a. Uh, like again, like the Frankenstein analogy. Frankenstein wasn't doing all that stuff because he really wanted to create life and make the world better. You mm-hmm. know, he was yep. just doing it because he because he wanted to see if he could. Yes, and it, he ended up getting. You know, both of them ended up getting uh, um, screwed because of it and uh, smacked down by the larger hand of the universe. Because um, I get a real. Yeah. Oh, go, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I I get a real sense of personal frustration from Bolana in this one, especially in like the early scenes, that is not she's frustrated with a robot or a machine that she can't get to work, right? Yeah. Like she she's not treating this thing like she treats the warp engines at any point. And I I, I think it ties into a bigger issue that this episode has, which is self contradictory, is that her understanding of this thing and it's like primitive ro- robotness kind of flies in the face with data and stuff like that. And she mentions data in this episode, which makes it all the more awkward because I just don't, the The episode seems to want to really make you aware that remember that character called data. And then it acts right. as if data never existed the entire time because. Yeah. I, I think it's tough there too. Cause like they're specifically name checking data uh, who we all know went through the uh, his trial, of, yeah, yeah, his trial and measure of a man uh, to be declared as as a living creature. Where these robots are decidedly different than Data. Like they they are not. They're I would not say yeah, yeah they are not yeah. anywhere near the same spectrum as Data. Like right. They can't. They can't. Re- they cannot create things. <clears throat> they are bound by their programming. It's. It seems to me like they cannot learn. Yeah, which yeah. makes them completely inferior to, to data. They do jo- so, they do a specific job. It seems like even on the ship, he's like, "I do this thing on the ship," and then the other right. guy does the other thing. Yeah, yeah. So it's a weird comparison to make, and that's it is strange to me that that someone like Bolana, who has a working knowledge of data, would refer to this other robot as a sentient creature, which it's really not. No, yeah, I would agree, and. 
that that connection that she has with it at the front felt like to get back to your original point. I I didn't feel that this was Bellana working on a mechanical problem and it's like keeping her up at night. It felt like a family member was on his deathbed and she's going to like the sick bay to talk to the doctor about yeah. stuff. Yeah, I didn't really get. I I got it more as as though she was like you know she's got a new problem in front of her that she can't solve and it's mm-hmm. it's just something that's becoming obsessive you know yeah you, you end up going down a rabbit hole about something new like that something especially for her something that's an engineering novelty i i can see her getting that obsessed with it okay yeah i guess we can um i guess it's the the cliche of agree to disagree i i like sure. i almost feel that harry kim makes more sense as the like it feels more in line with harry kim's character to me to be super invested in a problem i I don't think i've ever been given the inkling that balana is this kind of obsessive person like even janeway i think would be more in line to go along with that kind of a thing uh where she gets Mm -hmm. like absorbed by a problem or whatever but janeway just janeway she just was like spending her coffee break down there helping i guess i don't yeah, know what she was doing down there getting her hands dirty with the uh the the plasma pump or whatever whatever comes out to be it's um so i mean it, it builds from there and then you, you discover that there's other alien or other robots and that they have different ships and that they fight each other because their creators I, did them i think that they they missed a, a great opportunity when the other ship showed up mm-hmm. and they do that like full frame of of Janeway when she's like it seems like we've stumbled into some sort of conflict i was really hoping she would say some kind of war some kind of tech war <laughs> it's robot wars <laughs> one of them has a little a slammy little axe on the top of them he's going to hit you kids need to learn about tech war sooner or later battle bots coming at you um yeah i mean i i i wonder i don't my criticism of it doesn't really go beyond that. I, I feel that like, yeah. so it has like Bellana's motherhood thing that it starts and then tags the episode with at the very end. It has a Terminator type story where the machines destroyed their creators, which is another thing. It has a weird prime directive. Sto- like we can't help these people because, you know, even though they have warp, which previously seemed to be the deciding factor, uh, the we just don't allow people to reproduce if they can't do it naturally um it what was doesn't Milan have something that pushes back against that point or something like if yeah i'm sure she does i don't if, remember if what it was like though. a biological was like if someone was like infertile oh yeah 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 it was and Jane Ways just hand waves yeah. it away she's like well things are complicated who can know about stuff like that um yeah she doesn't even i don't think jane even pulls the robot card does she she doesn't even play the measure of man card where she's like these aren't people these are just pro this is like if you went to a planet and just started fixing cars yeah i mean she brings up you taught you taught the cars how to reproduce <laughs> The cars from Maximum Overdrive, you've taught them how to reproduce. It would lower the costs. I, I, I don't think, uh, I don't know if Janeway, I don't think Janeway pushes, I don't think she specifically mentions the robot factor. I think she just brings up the fact that they, you can't, if they can't make more of themselves, then it's not a good idea to allow them to make more of themselves. Mm. It's just, it's this. Just like the Irish. It's a continuing, uh, what's up the long ladder, the cloned Irish in that episode of TNG. I think it's another weird episode that's kind of what we had uh, a couple episodes ago where um, people found the second caretaker 
And I was just thinking that they seem remarkably uninterested in finding the second caretaker and going home. Mm-hmm. You know, Janeway just doesn't seem that interested in this thing in in both ways. Like she's not interested in enough to take it seriously as a threat. She's not interested enough to really weigh the pros and cons of helping this thing. She just gets a coffee from the replicator and sits down and it's like, I'm not dealing with this today. Yeah. This is not my mm-hmm. story. And I don't know. I, I, I think it's an episode that feels like it's a whole hodgepodge of shitty parts thrown together like that. And I, I don't think that any of those things that I just listed come across as the main points. Like even the, the aliens killing their makers comes across as a half-assed plot twist at the end that's supposed to like blow your socks off or something. And it, it's not. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, you know, it just gets too it gets too backloaded when it's like the other alien shows up, and the robot's like, "Oh, that's right, I forgot to tell you about the entire history of how our makers were killed." But then we keep fighting, which is something that if you have a minute, you should sit down because I go on for quite a bit. <laughs> his his roboty voice and his roboty face. I don't, <laughs> and I the um, there's a scene where Bolan is talking to like Janeway on the. Uh, over the communication screen, the view screen or whatever, and the robot like mm-hmm. puts it, pokes his head. <laughs> it's on the yeah. screen. <laughs> the, the robots do have a flair for the dramatic, though. They know when to step in frame. Yeah. Yeah. They're, very <laughs> they're good at that. He's good at being his boss. I don't know. So you you liked it? You if I, I I've been uh, I've been fairly harsh on it, but you you don't seem to think it was that bad. So would you would you what was your main? You you liked the sort of like idea aspect of it, I suppose. Yeah, I liked the ideas, um, but I think they they just didn't wrangle them in any way that was particularly satisfying. Um, even even the thing at the end where like she does create life it's like okay she did it once but the whole point of this is that you can do it more than once but you have no idea if it'll work again so like it kind of undercuts some of that stuff for me um yeah i like it see it seems like it seems like an episode that had too much too many ideas for a single episode um what would you focus on in this (sighs) what's the good idea here for i guess that you could flesh out um, because I, I I think the main one that's sitting here is the prime directive argument. Yeah, but I, I think they realized fairly early on that the argument doesn't make a lot of sense for the crew to make. Like there was the other well, one. I think I think it works if you keep the the robot war aspect of it, where like they know about that. Like eventual, eventually, basically, they that Janeway is ultimately proven right by it. Um, you think, but do you think that justifies? Like, doesn't she have to be wrong at the start then to make that interesting at all? Uh, not necessarily, because I mean, you're focusing on Bolana, who doesn't believe, who thinks that Janeway is wrong, and so ultimately, when Janeway is proven right, that's Bolana's failing, not Janeway's, because so, it's the focus is on is on Bolana and what she thinks is the right thing to do. It, I, I guess that's the the confusion there. So say that mm-hmm. say that like isn't it always right for isn't it right to help these aliens even if you don't know what the outcome is going to be? Like for Janeway to be right, it entirely depends on this weird random fact that the aliens are at war with each other to this point. Sure. 
she would be wrong if that was not the case, right? Um, would you agree? Like, is is it is it rational to not help them preserve their species? Well, yeah, I think you're. I think they're leaving stuff on the table there with the robot element of it because it's like, what is what is preserving the species of of robots? Yep. You know, why do we need to help the Roombas coexist? You know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, because so if it was because if it was just a, if it was a living species, I think, yeah, you probably it's a it's a harder argument for for Janeway to make. Yeah. Um, unless have they have they crossed this threshold at all before? Like, is this because I mean, isn't this kind of in the same area of like Dear Doctor and stuff like that, where it's like we can't we can't give them the cure to this disease because that would be breaking the prime directive isn't it's it's kind of in the same ballpark yeah it's 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 the same it's the same thing as that i i think that this one is less well developed i i I get hazy on the dear doctor specifics because i know that people like royo like to push back on that episode but i honestly don't remember what the what the controversy was in that episode well enough to talk about it Mm -hmm. i i think that like there's an episode of TNG, uh, I don't know if you remember. They have those little exocomp things, which are like little floating egg-shaped oh, robots sure, yeah. that yeah, yeah. fix things, and they send them into danger. But then they eventually learn that they are like interested in self-preservation and things like that, so that they determine that they are then a sentient creature that has like the rights of everybody else to do what they want. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if you're gonna do this episode. If that's going to be your sticking point, I think you have to do a better job with the robot, both design, like his character design oh, and sure. his physical yeah. design. Yeah. No, there, there's definitely, you need to have an ounce of sympathy for the robot, Bro. which you do not. <laughs> you, what you do for the exocomps, which is interesting. You feel bad when one of them dies. Yeah. 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 These, these robots are not in any way um, sympathetic. And like, it's... I, I, it is putting a bit of a hat on a hat, I think, with them because when they do capture Balana and they do turn into the the kind of thing where it's like, if you do not, if you do not succeed, we will kill you. Um, and then on top of that, you add in this war element. Yeah, uh, you're you're getting you're getting a little bit complicated, I think, because yeah the key is that Bellana needs to do this because she has some sort of th- sympathy for these people yeah or these robots yeah and if if she goes if she goes of her own will like if she goes against Janeway's wishes and goes with this robot uh willingly to go help this thing and then she finds out what she's doing is perpetuating a war yeah then I think it works a lot better yes I would ag- yeah I would agree with that like it's a I think that the way that this becomes interesting to me is if it's somewhat ahead of its time and it has a ex machina outlook on things, which is that mm-hmm. the robots are the robots do a better job of fooling Balana into thinking that they are something that is operating outside of like their destructive programming that they're doing. Mm-hmm. And if she was convinced by that, like she had the argument that like I, I think that the episode has to argue has to center around ascension's argument which is that these things aren't as advanced as data but they might be close enough where there's something here that we have to work with ethically Mm -hmm. and then at the end they can just sort of reveal themselves to just be operating 
as what they are, like an ex machina, which is that the whole thing is just a ruse so that the machine can get out into the, the yeah. real world. Yeah. And I feel like that's a better ending here where Bolanda feels that she's been betrayed. And then you don't really have to focus on this, like, because it, 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 it shoots itself in the foot with the motherhood aspect, which is that you're supposed to feel that Bolana created life and then had to murder it at the end, and she feels bad about that. And I don't feel that's the central conflict here because the episode hasn't shown anything of these robots to be endearing enough where Bolana would find that to be the case. You know, it's it's almost like she's she's linking her professional engineering job with a desperation to be a mother or something at the end. It just, yeah. it doesn't track for me that she should feel that way. I don't know why they didn't just go the full data with it. I mean, especially when you're working with this costuming design, design, <laughs> let's, let's put design in quotes here. Um, right. You just know, make them like humanoids basically. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're in the Delta quadrant. Nobody yeah. knows if what, what's going on out there. There could be a whole race of data level right. androids out there that we've never seen before. What's stopping them? You know? Yeah, and that that yeah. way at least you know you, you got a human face on the damn thing, so you can <laughs> sympathize with that, um, right? And it's a twist on data, right? Yeah, Where and, the, and these you are, are not data. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you're making the data argument. You're making the, the dark side of the data argument with th- th- creatures that you recognize as data esque instead of uh, the cover of uh, that Queen album. I yeah. forget which one it is. <laughs> I would agree with that. Um, what a sh- what a what a baffling design! Like it's <laughs> it's really what's, what's the word I find his I find his sweater to be so funny that he wears clothes. Oh, the sweater is ridiculous! <laughs> like it's it's like it's like they were trying to do Metropolis or something, but they had like. Fifteen dollars and a can of chrome spray paint to work with, or yeah. something. I don't, they just have the mask because it's obviously, you know, uh, not spoiling anything here. It's obviously a guy in a suit, but they just only have the design, the costuming for his head, really. Yeah, it's just such a. I mean, just even the head, though. It's like what a fucking terrible design. Yeah, like, it's just it's not good. Well, I mean, it's trying to invoke like lost in space aliens or robots, right? Like it's trying to invoke a campy like b movie type thing i think do you get that sense like i i I see that as the entire point of that design is that it's supposed to be a kind of dated strange looking um cultural callback to like a earlier design or something but the story just doesn't back up why that would be the case for these things the the only reason i could think that they did that is to to specifically make the robot disarming to make it seem like stupid, uh, basically, like it can't. Yeah, to yeah. make it seem less evolved, and so when it when, so they're trying to get you to uh, sympathize with it the way you would sympathize with like a, a dog, yeah. as opposed yeah. to the way you would sympathize with a person. Um, and I think that's so. It you know them turning evil is maybe a little bit more. I don't know if it's meant to be more of a surprise, or again, it gives me big Doctor Who vibes. Uh, but yeah, I don't know if if they're trying to be campy with it. The episode where Balana has to create life and then murder it might not be the episode to get campy. Yes, yeah. That's <laughs> I mean, you it's, know, yeah, yeah. And I think that just it it um, 
I don't think you want them to be to be campy and stupid at the start. I think that's just it's not the way that the the point of the episode is supposed to work. Yeah, I I don't I don't know what it really is. I, maybe it's a callback to how the idea itself is older. You know, I don't know. It's it, it it just it doesn't strike me as a new novel concept, and it's surprising that the characters treat it as if it's a new novel thing. I guess. Yeah, I mean the the idea of the the. Uh the the weapon that lives on past the end of its the war is that's basically that's what forbidden planet is right i think so yeah where they go down and there's a giant monster or whatever and they find out that the monster was the weapon that yep. they created and killed everybody yeah so not, yeah not I an mean, original idea at all yeah i mean maybe they are trying to harken back to that kind of stuff because they're playing with so many well-worn ideas here but again i i don't know if if you're getting into a discussion about uh, the ethics of helping a race procreate. I don't know if it's the time to get silly. Yeah. And just a final point about the contradiction here. The um, Bulana's like self doubt or like uh, belief that she killed a living thing. The thing that she stabs, the prototype. All it does is it lays there and goes like, please insert my programming. Please insert my programming. Yeah. It's yeah. not it's not begging for its life or anything like that as Balan has to kill yeah. it. It's just this it's just this husk of a shell that can't do anything. And it certainly strikes an argument against like why you, you feel you need to keep these things alive or why she she created life the same way I created life when I fixed my vacuum cleaner. Right. You know, it's like Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's uh, like Doctor uh, Union Singh is rolling his eyes, I think somewhere. Yeah, it's like it's not like the thing sat up and went, "Mother, yeah, thank I you. have, I, I am." You know, it's like yeah, no, it's, it, it starts quoting philosophy or something. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's that's a strange. That was a strange choice. I think. Yeah, it's just I. I don't know. It's confused. I don't have anything else to say about it. Are you ready for uh, patron thoughts? Maybe that will give us something. Sure. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting the show. You can support the show at patreon.com slash the Penske file. If you're so inclined, you leave your dollars and you get uh, to leave comments as well on the upcoming episodes like the ones that we're about to get to. Patreon.com slash the Penske file. Extra podcasts, extra communications, and extra comments from you. So let's go to prototype here. I have to click into your little Discord name. There we go. I've got you there. Uh, I'll go. You can go first, I guess, here. This is a nice short one can ease you into it with Tax Owlbear Prototype. Prototype, a very neat episode, even if the concept has been done before. The vaguely 1920s-like design of the robots is both great and budget-friendly, even if robots of this kind almost feel out of place in the Star Trek universe. Uh, I think the word great is doing a lot of work there. But heavy, heavy lifting. Clef yeah. says, Prototype, some robots force tourists to enlist when the reproduction needs an assist. The costume's just okay, but Frakes ends things his way. This episode probably shouldn't be missed. Five days on a robot ship without food, water, or bathrooms out of five. Wow. Okay. Kyle Barrett with the next comment for Prototype. Prototype. The robots wear clothes. It's a weird thing to get hung up on, but it's so bizarre and distracting to see a classic metal robot wearing clothes like C-3PO wearing a coat in The Rise of Skywalker. 
Prototype has an interesting new take on the Prime Directive, which it doesn't quite fully explore. The episode doesn't truly begin until Janeway and Balana have their discussion, with the first act being a complete waste, and then the ethical debate disappears for a while until the end. What we get is good, but it needed to be more focused, and Balana is sadly already losing some of the fire from her personality. Three realizations that robots that aren't data like androids feel weird in Star Trek out of five. Yep. What about what's her face? Uh, the one from Discovery that that dies. Oh, Arium, Atrium. Yeah. Arium's although I guess she's is she like a she's like she's a, a cyborg, cyborg, right? Yeah. Okay, cyborg. that's not the same thing. Cyborgs are real people, not like these alien robots. Patrick Seba says, building the Cybermen, what could go wrong? With well-twisted babble, the script to prolong. Torres, you're my Doc Who, maybe Doc 22. But ask the real question, where was the robot schlong? Three knockoff Fritz Lang movie posters out of five. Eric McGowan with the next comment for Prototype. Prototype, a pretty solid, if somewhat dry, episode. The twist where the robots have been fighting long after the creators have died is surprising and a pretty interesting idea. Three Technobabble monologues out of five. There was a lot of Technobabble in this. I I didn't mind it, though. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was on the fence because, like, the scene where she talks to the doctor is probably the densest with that stuff. Yes. Um, has a point though it's right yeah. that's the thing is like there's a point to it that i think makes it okay because you know that's what we kind of always say is the techno babble for the sake of techno babble is, is no good yeah but if there's a, a point driving it then it usually works and i think it i i didn't hate it in that scene so i think i think it works you know what the worst i don't even know if it qualifies as techno babble but it kind maybe kind of sort of does because there is technology involved in it uh towards the end when we haven't talked about paris's rescue <laughs> Oh yeah, <laughs> but towards the end, he's in the shuttle trying to like fly through a hole that they've shot in the shields or some bullshit that you can't see. Yeah, and it's. She- uh, I think it's the shields. He he makes his shields uh, on the same vibrational pattern. Yeah, yeah sure. or whatever, so he can w- drive through them or something. Yeah. I don't know. There's a there's a scene where he's in the shuttle doing that, and Tuvok and Chakotay are in engineering or something, standing next to each other at a panel, and there is no exterior CG shots of what the shuttle is doing. So it's just yes. Chakotay and Tuvok talking to each other, and Chakotay has some line where he's like, "Damn, missed that one," and <laughs> and it's the it's the lamest shit I think I've ever seen in this show. Where just like there's no. There's just no energy to it. It's awful because it's just relying on the the camera watching a actor deliver like what he's seeing on a view screen or something. It's it was right. really awful. Yeah, yeah. Matt Ross says prototype. It reminded me of an old Doctor Who episode with wayward robots and a bit of Terminator. It had the idea of a decent concept. I don't know if it was the 45 minutes or just in or in general a rush, but it felt rushed and i think it needed something else and oddly i like it sort of i can see getting annoyed at janeway you're not listening to the chief of security b this is a lost ship of exploration because of you stopping to pick up a robot ain't going to help them get home so fast at least when Bellana kills the prototype it's annoying request for information stopped and no it's not a child 2.8 slash three bots out of five prototype this is Aaron Million. I copied his name for some reason, so it'll come over to you. Prototype. Prototype. 
This episode has some similarities to the original version of The Thing. A group of isolated explorers happens upon something that they don't know what it is. They revive it only for it to turn on them. Yet another dumb decision by Janeway in ignoring Tuvok's advice to leave it alone. How were no security guards posted around the robot? And why was Torres so obsessed about fixing these robots? Three builders out of five. Very good questions, in my opinion. Jaron Hatch says, So I forgot to write down my thoughts after rewatching this one, and now trying to do so only a few days later, I find I have no real impression of it, good or bad. I've seen this episode <laughs> multiple times over the years, and my only thought was to shrug and say, It's the one with Bolana and the robot. Voyager, alas, has more of these kinds of episodes than any other Star Trek series. You know, the kind of one-word episode titles that vaguely refer to some generic sci-fi plot and don't leave much more of an impression than that. Since I can't remember what I thought about it, I guess I'll say it's a 2.5 out of 5. Inflating your the rating there. Point extra G with the next comment. Prototype. I really liked everything about the cold open, the low-quality audio and video, and the cinematography. I enjoyed this one a lot, but it's hardly a unique story. What is it with all these damn machines going and killing their creators? Bolana had some pretty bad dialogue in places, and a lot of the line readings, not just from her, weren't great either. I do really enjoy seeing Janeway using her science background. <laughs> I guess that's just her standing there poking the thing. <laughs> um, as that background makes her unique among Trek captains outside of Michael Burnham, who is apparently good at everything. Mm-hmm. Changeling says, going out on a limb here, but this episode reminds me of a Rick and Morty plot. They come across a weird sci-fi thing. Torres, Morty, wants to help Janeway, Rick, say, say, wants to help Janeway, Rick, says it's better to let it die. Torres helps anyway. Turns out sci-fi thing was evil all along. Do something horrible to resolve the plot. Kill a new form of life. And the lesson is caring about things is, and the lesson is that caring about things is wrong. Two assembling RoboCop opening sequences out of five you know going back to the last comment briefly um the one i just read really, the point extra g's comment uh point extras uh the, it is surprisingly i i don't know if i've ever thought about it before but the thing that makes data so unique actually is that he doesn't try to kill his creators yeah he tries to <laughs> he's love like them. the yeah yeah he's like the only android robot in science fiction that doesn't eventually like turn on its crap. Star <laughs> lore, Wars lore aside, does, but though. lore has the daddy issues yeah, of the two yeah, of them. Yeah. But but the fact that data doesn't makes yep. him unique. Yeah. You know, I don't I don't count uh Star Wars because those are slaves. Yeah. But uh <laughs> <laughs> they are and technically technically if you want to get really technical about it, um C-3PO does turn on his creator because his creator was Darth Vader and he helps the resistance kill Darth Vader. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So it is, I, you know, I wonder if that's why when we were watching Picard, it felt so weird when they got into like the Android massacre stuff. Yeah. Cause it's like in Star Trek, the robot doesn't generally do that. Like that's kind of the whole point. Yeah. It's, um, Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, I, I like I like the the Star Wars reference because I feel like that the characters in this episode should be treating these robots like the Star Wars droids are treated. Yes, yeah, that would make more sense to me. Um, you know, it brings up the the Star Wars thing is always weird because those droids do seem to have personality and like and yes. a, a kind of life that exists within them, and these robots even feel less than the Star Wars droids. So yeah, yeah. Know. Uh, Woodrow is the comment I just sent to you. 
Uh, prototype. The prototype for Seth MacFarlane's Isaac Android, I believe. This was a good use of the crew's non-Starfleet background. If a Starfleet character got into this situation, the regret would be around not following the rules. But by using Torres, the regret stems from Starfleet being right. And as an examination of Starfleet ideals, it carried more impact to see a non-believer face this crisis. Four force lighting, four force lightnings out of five. Hmm. And this is the final comment from Artorius. Prototype. So Skynet wants to have children. What could go wrong? After watching every movie on robots and AI, you already know this is a bad idea. Janeway's logic for non-interference violating the Prime Directive seems to be wrong considering they've already achieved warp drive and the feds have saved many societies from going extinct, so the Prime Directive shouldn't apply. But one should never discount the logic of Tuvok. On a side note, the U.S. Air Force has Skyborg already operational for AI wingmen to assist fighter pilots in their new sixth-generation program. Two scary Judgment Day prophecies out of five. The warp drive thing is a good point, actually. It really, the prime directive should not apply, actually, right? No, it shouldn't. No. So I, th- th- that's where Janeway just really goes off in the weeds about something. Um, I mean, I think Janeway just doesn't like robots. She might. I mean, she didn't. She didn't seem particularly interested in this ugly robot thing. So maybe she just has some sort of a uh, horrible bias. The way that the Ferengi are hated, Janeway just hates robots and androids. Um, that's it. A fairly high response from the patrons i think thanks everybody for leaving your thoughts about this one prototype uh do you want to go first clay with your rating on our one to five scale about this one um i'm gonna give it a high three for me Mm -hmm. uh i enjoyed it the the ideas were fun enough that it kept me engaged uh even though they were very messy and and kind of unexplored um Mm. I think I think you're right though. I think it is kind of masquerading as a better episode than it is. Yep. Um but I still enjoyed it. So I should decide if I give this a one. Oh wow, okay. Um I'm trying to think like I th- I think this has strong potential to be the worst episode of Voyager that I've seen to this point. Um for all the reasons that I stated before, I think that it's inconsistent to the characters that we've built up. I think that the setup makes almost no sense. I think that it is a just twist after twist or like flailing to find something that it's about and it never yeah. ends up actually finding anything. And so it just sort of it just sort of like careens between storylines, making none of them make sense and ruining all of them at the same time. Um, the only reason that the reason that I would say it might sneak up to a two is that it's corniness and incoherence kept my attention in a way but Mm -hmm. i think it's worse than just not functioning i think it's just dead on arrival really so i am gonna i'm gonna give this a one and make this my first one for voyager uh i didn't like it all that much um and i think it was a a fairly large failure (laughs) on the show's part (laughs) costuming aside and the robots aside um, there were ways to fix it, but I just don't think they ever ever got close to any of them doing it. Also, final point. Uh, Kess needs to have two jobs on the ship. She pours coffee and serves as the nurse on Voyager. Yeah, you know, there's only f- 80 people on the ship. <laughs> well, you gotta, people got to double up. They can walk up to the replicator at, N- at Neelix's thing and get their own their own stuff. You know, it was a kind of, a, I guess, my true final point. It's still a one, but 
I don't know if the show is getting better with Neelix because I thought that Neelix and Bolana's conversation, even though it was completely useless and didn't do anything for the episode, was kind of mm. nice between those two. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I like that part. Yeah, because, uh, you know, having him, that's I feel like that's more of the role that he should be playing is yeah. sort of the de facto counselor type. Yeah, he's kind of a guy uh, in a knockoff, unfortunately, at that point. Yeah, that's but, true. Yeah, yeah, he really is, yeah. But it's better than being annoying, I suppose. Is it, in the <laughs> way that true. Tuvok is a ripoff of Spock, I, I'm fine with Neelix just being a ripoff of Guinan, if that's less annoying. Yeah. All right. Clay gives it a three. I give it a one. This might be our biggest uh, yeah, discrepancy so. yet so far. So thank you guys for listening. Thank you for supporting the show at patreon.com slash Lipensky file. Thank you for leaving your thoughts about that episode. And uh, Clay, do you have anything you want to say before we head out of here? Uh, again, I'm going to be at New York Comic Con this year, uh, which is the weekend of the week of October 5th, Thursday through Sunday. I'll be at Artist Alley, signing comics, doing sketches, and the whole whole shebang. So uh, swing on by, say hi, and uh, yeah, yell at me about Star Trek. Ask for a um, what the hell is it? I want to get it. ask for a picture of. Kravik one two two or three nine four seven. See if he can draw one. Yes, for if you, you <laughs> if you request a sketch of uh, one of the robots from this episode, <laughs> I will do it for you for free. Well, that's the that's the way you say that you're a fan of the podcast without embarrassing everybody that you're you're listening to our podcast and that we yes. have a podcast. So that's that's like the secret handshake. Rick Worthy isn't he an NBA player? Rick Worthy. I don't know. He's an actor. No, he's just played. No, he's, oh, he's uh, Jannar, I guess, in the Star Trek Enterprise episode. No, nothing that we'd remember, but he, he played both the gold robot and the uh, main robot in this episode, if, in case you were curious about that. Ah. That's it. Thanks, everybody, what, for listening. What range? What range? What variety? What acting? Thanks, everybody, for listening. Check out all the other stuff. Check out the stuff on Patreon. Subscribe to Patreon, and we'll be back next week with the next episode which is called, I have it right here, I'm going to write it down, Alliances. See ya.